Today we continue on the journey that we've been on the last few weeks with this series that I've called Erase. We've been looking at how do we discover the power of the Holy Spirit and how do we make that power, how do we connect with that power that we have for everyday life? How do we live in that? We've been looking at how we have this great power. When you become a Christian, you receive the Holy Spirit. Now, for some in this room, you say, I'm not a Christian yet. I'm, I'm here. Someone drug me here or, or I'm here because I'm investigating. I'm kind of thinking about Christianity. Well, what a great opportunity to be here because you can stop and go, okay, if I become a Christian and I have an opportunity to know and have this Holy Spirit that he was talking about at church on Sunday. And so we've been just trying to understand the Holy Spirit and how does the Holy Spirit work in our life. And one of the premises I laid out in week one is that unfortunately we have erased or we have taken the power of the Spirit and kind of just set it aside. And this great power that we have, we're not tapping into most of the time. And we talked about, well, why is that? Why is it we don't tap in that power? Well, for some people, it's just because I'm not aware. Maybe my church upbringing and the Holy Spirit wasn't talked about, wasn't taught. You know, I heard, well, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that's about it. Uh, for some people, you say, I, I just started in church just some time ago, three months ago, six months ago, a year ago. I'm just new to this faith thing in the Holy Spirit. I'm not even aware. And so because we're not aware... We're not tapping into the power, and so that power has kind of been erased or, or set on the side for right now in our life. For some, though, and I would say this, this is probably the bigger one that, that, we cha- that we're challenged with as Christians, many times we've erased the power of the Holy Spirit in our life because we resist, because we don't want to obey. We hear the Spirit maybe nudge or direct, or, or the Word directs us in one way, and we're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. It's kind of like the little girl that my wife babysits. She's two and a half years old, and she has her own mind now. And uh, the other day, I was at home on Friday, and I said, Abigail, come here. And she was doing something she wasn't supposed to be doing, and she just, I said, Abigail, stop and come here. And she just kept on walking. We do the same thing to God. God says, Brian, come here. Brian, go there. Brian, listen to me here. Brian, don't say that. And what do we do? Eh, yeah, but I'm going to do it anyway. We disobey. We resist the Spirit when the Spirit is directing us. And we learn in week one that in that message that the Spirit wants to comfort and wants to counsel and wants to convict. The comfort, the comfort of the Holy Spirit will come to us and basically wrap His love around us and say, I'm going to comfort you in this time of need. Or the Spirit will counsel us if we're willing to listen. The Spirit will give us direction. Here's how you live life. The Spirit will also convict us. Wait a minute, you're going to do something you shouldn't be doing. Or you're already doing something you shouldn't be doing. Let's get away from that. And so we shouldn't resist, and we need to become aware. Week two, then, we talked about this great power, and what does the power of the Spirit do inside of us? The power gives us the power to share Christ. That was last week. That We have a, a goal that Jesus has given us. We have a mission that he has given us, and it's our responsibility, then, to share Christ. And he's given us power to do that. I may not know everything. I may not feel confident to do that. I may be terrified out of my, out of my shoes, so to speak, but I'm going to go, and I'm going to share Christ. Christ. And then he gives us the power to overcome our weaknesses. That there's times that we just go, I'm not qualified. Or I feel really weak in this year. How am I going to do it? Well, the Spirit can give us power to overcome those weaknesses. We also talk about how the Spirit gives us hope in a hopeless world. I mean, you would agree that we live in this world that all around us is just constant negativity, constant downcast, so to speak, from everything you look at. And he gives us hope in this world. And then he gives us the fullness of God. We talk about how the Spirit does all of that. Now, my goal in this series, church, 
is I want to awaken our hearts and our minds to what we have. I want us to really wake up to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of every single believer. And what we have inside of, inside of us is so great and so miraculous that we should not set Him aside. We should not erase Him from our life. We should want to say, I want to grow with the Holy Spirit. And I want the Holy Spirit to empower me. I want the Holy Spirit to live through me. I want to be empowered by that Spirit. And I pray that as we go on this journey together this week, next week, into the later in the because there's some things we're going to be tapping into as a church that there's no way for us to do it without the Spirit directing every step we take. So this series is so important. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, but you will receive power. Remember Jesus telling his disciples, you're going to go do the work. You'll receive power, and the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the earth. He says, listen, I'm going to go back to heaven with my Father, but you're not going to be left alone to do this task. You're going to have this great power, this great helper, the Spirit living inside of you, so that you can carry that message. We receive power. How? By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit empower us? Well, he gives us gifts. That's why we had you think about that question. What's one or two gifts, talents, abilities that you have? We had time. It would be great to go around and just kind of gather all the information and see what you said. Uh, before church, I was just talking to some different people and just posing that question to them. I asked one guy, he said, what's the talent or gift that God has given you? He said, um, I think the gift of being sarcastic. I was like, hmm, I'm not sure where that one fits in. You start thinking about gifts. Everybody has different kind of gifts and different kinds of abilities. And it's important to know that we use our gifts. Now, for instance, if I were to come over here and a Sunday morning you came in to worship and you saw me standing back here, why are you laughing? <laughs> Y'all don't know what I'm going to do. I might be able to play a great Mozart right here. <laughs> yeah, you guys are like, come on, Brian. Really, if you came into worship and I said, I'm going to play, I'm going to lead, this is about what you could probably get. You got that? That's not bad, is it? Now, hold on. I think it could get a little bit better. Hold on. If I can remember which key it is. That was too high, wasn't it? No, that was off. That's about all I can do on the piano, and it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. But I can lead you in singing. No. So we all, please don't torture us, right? Because you know me. You guys know that is not my gift. I wish it was so much. I wish I could sing for years. I'm like, I, I love to sing. You hear me sing. It's a good howl over here. It really is. It's, it's joyful, it's singing, but it's awful. Like if I'm standing behind somebody, I'm like, I better turn my head this way a little bit so they're not really hearing me sing more towards the wall because it's just bad. God did not bless me with those gifts. Some of you have those gifts. Truth be told, some of you have those gifts and you're not even tapping into them. God has blessed me with a gift to be able to stand up here and do this, to be able to preach and teach. Some of you are like, there's no way, man. I am not standing in front of a group of people speaking, because this is the number one fear of people. Some of you all have the gift of kindness. Some of you have the gift of giving. Some of you, are, some of you have the gift of mercy. You know, some of you guys are just so kind and caring. Some of you know how to manage money really well. 
Some of you know how to put a plan together, a business plan, and say, let's follow the business plan. Let's go do that. And Paul talks about this kind of stuff. Get your Bibles out. Open up your devices. Open up your app, whatever it is. We're going to go kind of quick and just kind of get a 30,000-foot view about what the Spirit does when it comes to giftedness. And Paul addresses this with three churches. And I want us to look at the text together. Romans chapter 3, or Romans chapter 12, Paul writes to the church in Rome. And look what he says. He says, For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. Now, basically what he's saying is don't get arrogant. You have some abilities and some talents, but don't get arrogant about them. For just as each of you has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. He says, listen, you have some talents. Don't get arrogant about it. Your, your, your talents, your abilities all function within one body. He says, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. It is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, he says, do it cheerfully. So he tells the church in Rome, listen, some of you can prophesy, some of you can serve, some of you can teach, some of you have the gift of encouraging, some of you are good at giving, some of you are good at leadership, and some of you are good at mercy. You notice in the text, he didn't say all of these gifts you have. He said some, that means they've been handed out, these talents, these abilities. Could you imagine if all of us in this room were given the gift of leadership? Man, that would be a tense church to be part of. I mean, could you imagine if all of us were given the gift of mercy? All the cats in the world would be saved. <laughs> they would. You know, I, here, for instance, okay, this is Brian's, this is Brian's sinful side, okay? I, you get on Facebook, and Masterson Station, I love the neighborhood, I really do. People post some of the weirdest, craziest things. And they start posting about... This poor little cat over here, it's lost. Do you see the picture? It needs a home. You know what I'm thinking in my head? Let it die. <laughs> That's my sinful sign. I'm like, cat, I don't care about it. You guys are like, is he really a preacher? That's the truth. So you know what God's done to me? You know what God's done to me? He's given us a cat. It's been on my front porch a lot lately. <laughs> so this morning, we're getting ready, and our dog is barking and howling. I go, and the cat is right there at the window, and the dog's at the window. And I'm like, oh, man, it's on my front porch. And what I've said is, at least it'll chase the mice away. I said, don't anybody give that thing food. Don't feed it. Don't give it water. Don't give it milk. But some of you, the gift of mercy, right now, you're dying. You're like, is he really that mean? I am. I am. But see, that's why God gives us different gifts. Some of you are like, let's go down and save the cat. Some of you guys are like, let's go downtown and let's love the people needy and people who have all these, all these needs. And I think that's a great thing, but I'm like, I, I usually am not the one thinking, let's go down to the soup kitchen. God has, has to put it inside of me, but some of you, you're gifted that way. 
See, he's given us different ability. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, look it, God has given us differently. Some of you are great at encouraging. You're the one sending the emails. You're the one writing the notes. You're the one that constantly has a word of blessing to somebody. And they're needed. Now, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that cool? The Holy Spirit's the one that says, puts that inside of us for us to be able to say, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of my life. There are different kinds of gifts with the same Spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them and everyone, it is the same God at work. Now notice, he does not say there's different kinds of spirits. He says there is the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God, but there's different kinds of talents or abilities, gifts. He says, now to each one of the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the spirit, a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit as he distributes to them to each one just as he determines. I may want to play the instrument. I may want to sing, but he said, well, I didn't determine that for you. I determined something else for you. I have a gift for you, but it's not that. He goes through and he says, wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and miraculous powers and prophecy and discernment and tongues and interpretation of tongues. He gives this list and says, listen, look at this, these gifts, these abilities that God has put inside of you. He says, God does that. The same God, the same Lord, the same Spirit gives all of us some, some of these gifts. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. See, Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Then he writes to the church in Corinthians, and that's where we, Corinth, that's where we get first and second Corinthians. And then he writes to the church in Ephesus. And here's what he says. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in faith and a knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He names again some gifts, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And look at verse 12. He says, to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. He says, listen, these gifts are all about us helping God and his kingdom. That's what they're for. And you, you stop and you look at that and you go, he wrote to the church in Rome, he wrote to the church in Corinth, and he wrote, writes to the church in Ephesus. And when you lay those lists side by side, there's some differences. For instance, in Romans chapter 12, we saw prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy. In 1 Corinthians 12, we see wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. In Ephesians 4, you see apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Do you notice that when you look at those three lists, they're not all the same, are they? 
There's some differences among the list. Some are one list and not on the other list. And, and I personally believe, I understand that there are some things that are different because this is not an exhaustive list. It's not like these are the only gifts and the only abilities. I think if Paul were writing that today, he may say, some of you have the abilities to do computer programming and coding. He may say, some of you have the abilities to do cooking. You're so good at cooking and baking. Well, see, what's happened is Paul sits down, he writes to the church at Rome, and he's writing about gifts, and he's like, listen, some of you are gifted in these areas. Da, 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 and he writes out some things. And he's writing the church in Corinth. He's like, some of you are gifted about this, 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 this. Oh, and this, and this, and this. Oh, oh, oh yeah, and this, this, and this. And he names some other things. Writes the church in Ephesus. He's like, oh, yeah, some of you have gifts in this. See, Paul's writing to three different groups of people at three different times. And he's given these lists. They're very, famil- they're very similar, but they're very different. And he's given examples of their abilities, what things are doing. He could have easily shared all these gifts with the same group of people and said they're all exactly the same, but he made them different. And here's what I think he's trying to tell us church. And what I want you to understand and I want you to believe today is that you are gifted by God for his kingdom and you are needed. Stop and think about that. Paul's telling the church in Rome, you're gifted, use it for God's kingdom. He tells the church in Corinth, you're gifted, use it for building up the church. He tells the church in Ephesus, listen, some people have these gifts. What are they to be used for? They're to be used to, to build up the body of Christ. So we all have different gifts and different abilities to be used for the body of Christ, to build up his church. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we go back to that. He actually continued in that dialogue. He says, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so does with Christ. Let me just stop there for a moment. What he's saying is, listen, we are a body. We, we, we function together. We're not just a whole bunch of individuals. We are, we are the church. You understand that this building doesn't, is not the church, right? You understand that if this building were to get wiped out by a tornado tomorrow, the church still exists. Because the church is God's people, people who have put their faith into Christ. But we gather as one church. We gather as, as part of the church. And so as we read that, we got to understand that. And we're just one small part of it. We'll talk about that here in a moment. He says, for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Greek, Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given one spirit to drink. Listen, he, he, he pulls out, listen, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile, today he say, no matter what country you come from, no matter what skin color you are, no matter what neighborhood you're in, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Don't miss that. He does the work. If they are all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, 
but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body, none but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Do you hear what Paul is saying? Do you hear why I'm telling you, church, you've got to understand you're gifted for God's kingdom and you're needed? I mean, if you start putting yourself into that text, you know, you start looking and saying, well, this hand cannot say this hand is not needed. And this foot cannot say this foot is not needed. The eye can't say the knee, well, you're not needed. That that analogy, we, we get it because we understand a body. But make it more personable. Make it more personal. You start looking at the gifts of the body, and you start going, wow, the person who's back there changing diapers and taking care of those babies, they're needed. The person who's up here leading music is needed. The person who's willing to come in and be the janitor and help clean and take care of facility is needed just as much as the preacher is needed. Every single part of the body is so important, and we are just one small part of God's entire body. Let's look at it from this perspective for a moment. Uh, I'm going to ask for a couple of volunteers. Don't do anything but just stand up where you are. Okay, Brianna, would you stand up where you are for a second? How old are you, Brianna? I did that first service. I picked a young lady. I didn't know exactly how old she was, and she was 11 years old. She sat back there. Okay, Brianna is 11 years old. Tim, would you stand up back there in the back? Let's apply this text directly to the church and what's going on, okay? What he's telling us and what he's telling you, Brianna, and he wants you to hear this. Let's have some other. If you're younger than 18, 18 and younger, stand up. 18 and younger, stand up. I want all you guys to hear this, okay? As you read this, young people, I want you to hear this. This text is not just written to adults. The scripture that is written here is written to all of us. But sometimes what we do with, with young people, we go, well, they will get there eventually. I want you to hear this. You are gifted. God has given you abilities. He has given you talents. He has put some stuff inside of you just as he is as adults to be used for the body of, body of Christ. And we cannot say to the young people, well, they're not needed. Tim, I have him stand up back there because, Tim, I don't know how old you are exactly, but I know he's retired. Old in the dirt. <laughs> he's retired, okay? Here's what we need to hear is Tim cannot say to these young people, oh, man, you're too young. One day you'll get it. I was 12 years old when someone told me, Brian, you need to preach. And I preached my first sermon at 12 years old. Some of you young people in here, you need to be preachers. You need to be teachers. You need to be missionaries. told first service this. There is a shortage of preachers and youth ministers and worship leaders because people are not going to ministry anymore for various reasons. Moms and dads, if any of these young people are coming to you and say, I'm thinking about Bible college, I'm thinking about ministry, you, you become their cheerleader. You get behind them. You say, let's do it. That's what my mom and dad did for me. We didn't have the money, didn't know how we were going to do it, and God has provided. But you young people are gifted, and Tim cannot say to you, oh, you're too young. One day you'll get there. God has something for you all. And that same thing, though, you can't look at him and go, man, he's older than dirt. What does he know? 
He's useless. He's past his prime. He don't know what he's talking about. There's a lot of wisdom in someone who's retired. And a lot of time, because Tim's been over here helping us a ton on different projects, giving his time to ministry. And those who are older and retired cannot say, I'm retired, now I retire from God's work, I'm done. See, you all need Tim, and Tim needs you. This is the body. Go ahead and be seated, thank you. Let me give you one more example that the text is talking about. All right? I'm going to pick on somebody else. Olander, would you stand up for a moment? Just where you are. And uh, Brian, would you stand up where you are? And this is a problem sometimes in the church. Notice these two men right here. They're different skin color. What this text is saying, Alander, you have gifts and talents and abilities that God has put inside of you, and he wants to use those gifts for his greater purposes to build up his church. In the same vein, he's put stuff inside of you, Brian, and abilities and gifts and talents that he's instilled inside of you to build up his church for his greater purposes, for his kingdom. And you can't say, oh, you're a different skin color than me. And you can't say to him, oh, you're a different skin color from me. And so you're not needed, I'm not needed. Or let's go our separate ways. You go do your thing, I'll do my thing. But boy, let's not interact with each other. That's not how the church should be. And I love it that Centerpoint is becoming more and more diverse and our races, and our skin colors, and what we look like, and our ages, because that's how the church is supposed to be. We need each other, and we are in the same body. How is that? Because we believe in the same Lord. When you believe in the same Lord, then you're part of the same body. You're on the same team. Same team. Thank you. Go ahead and be seated. Now, let me give you one more example, because this is bigger than just this church. We are just, we are just a tiny little part of God's church. God's church is huge. Right now on Sunday morning in Fayette County, there's about 300 churches that believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they're gathering, and they're doing the same thing we're doing. They're singing songs. They may be singing different ones. They may have the music louder. They may have the music slower. They may be doing out of the hymn book. They may be doing off a screen. They're doing it different than we do it, but they're worshiping the same Lord and they're worshiping God. And they're different sizes. There's churches in the city that are 50 people, and there's churches in the city that are 10 people, and there's churches in the city that are 500 people, and there's churches in the city that are 1,000 and 5,000. You know, we cannot do church. We cannot bash the other part of God's body. We cannot say, oh, that church does that. I can't believe they do that. Oh, that church, you know, they're crazy. They do that. Oh, and start blasting because that tells the unsaved world that we're not unified. And we need to get excited. We hear about another church, they're doing this ministry. Oh, that's so cool. Our church is doing it. I don't, that's awesome. God called them to do it. God instilled that inside of them. Oh, they're, they're going to this mission, but that's awesome. They're going to mission. Oh, they're doing ministry downtown. Oh, that's awesome. And beyond just the Fayette County, Fayette County is just a, Fayette County might be the foot in the body. And you go out to other states and other countries. And for us, I mean, Center point, we might just be the fingernail. But every single part of God's body is important. God has not only gifted us individually, he has gifted us corporately, so to speak, as a body, as a fellowship. And it's our job then to say, okay, God, how have you put me together and how have you put us together as a church and what do you want us to do? We don't have to look like other churches. God has put us here for a purpose and God has put you here for a purpose. So what do we do with this? Holy Spirit's given us. Well, we need to discover our gifts. So how do I do that? How do I start to really understand who I am? Well, pray and read God's Word. 
That's huge. Start asking God. God, what do you put inside of me? What kind of things do I like? What kind of things do I not like? What kind of things am I good at? What kind of things am I not good at? What kind of things just kind of just get me excited? God, what is it that I wake up in the morning and I go, man, I can't wait to do that? What are the things I go, oh my goodness, that's going to bore me to death? Those kinds of things as you pray and you read God's word will start to identify how God has put you together. And then you ask godly friends. Sit down with a godly friend and just say, hey, would you share with me, what do you see some of my strengths and my weaknesses? What do you see that I'm good at? And and a godly friend would be willing to do that with you over a cup of coffee or maybe a sandwich, and you sit and just kind of discuss, who am I? What do you see in me? That's, I believe that's one reason why I told you I started preaching at the age of 12 is because I had a youth minister who looked at me and said, you can preach. And I was like, uh, I can't preach. Yeah, let's just preach one sermon. And at 15, he said, you're going to the ministry. And I was like, I am not going to the ministry. I told him he was crazy. And now I've been in the ministry for over 25 years because he spoke that into my life. He, he said, here's what I see in you. And here's what God is doing in you. And you can do that for each other. And a lot of people won't do that until they're asked. So if you go to someone and say, hey, I, I want you to just tell me. What do you see in me? What, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? They'll start to help you identify those things. And then thirdly, take a spiritual gifts assessment. Now here's what's really cool. We found a tool that we inserted right into our website. If you go to mycpoint.com forward slash gifts, there is a spiritual gifts assessment there. And if you are a youth, 18 or younger, there's even a spot there you can check mark and say, I want to do the youth version. And it can open up the youth version for you. And so you go there, you'll answer about 80 different questions, and it'll kick out a report that will tell you, here are your gifts. And we're trying to help people then maybe serve more accurately according to what their giftedness is and what their mix is. For instance, I asked our elders and staff to do that this week. And John Stamper went through it, clicked it all, and then I get an email and says, okay, and we're going to try to keep record of that. So when we're trying to serve, we try to find people with giftedness that matches with what the need is. And John Stamper's number one gift that came up was giving. I was like, praise God. Is John in here? Where's he at? John? Oh, there he is. John. My pocket's a little empty. But he, the gift of giving means when I see a need, I want to try to meet that need. And, I'm, and, I, and I like to manage my money well. Not my money, but God's money. I'm a good steward. But he wants to be a, a giver. God put that inside of him. I won't tell you the name because one of the people took the test and giving was last on the list. Does that mean that giving last on the list or first is more important? Absolutely not. That means he's gifted us differently giving us different abilities, just as the text is talking about. Uh, Lane Haslock, our family pastor, his number one was apostleship. Now, some of these, I can't go through and define all of them for you, but when you take the assessment, it comes up and says, here's your results, and then you can click on it, and you can read. It'll give you some scriptural background. It'll give you a description where apostleship means someone who likes to lead ministries and take land for God. Stop and go, Lane's been in ministry for over 20 years helping lead many different ministries. And I went, well, that matched exactly who he is. Jerry Horn, one of our elders, uh, his gift was knowledge. Well, that's really interesting. How do they define that? Well, you open that up, it starts describing knowledge, and it's someone who's good at connecting the gospel to everyday life. So someone knows how to read the gospel, and there's a difference, because many of us, and we won't by a show of hands, but you've read it and go, what does that mean? And you reread it and go, what does that mean? And you reread it and go, I don't understand it. Close it. You have a hard time 
understanding it. Jerry has the gift to be able to read it and go, oh, that makes sense to me. And this is what it means for me and my family and my church and help people then. How do we go live that out? I took the assessment and I've taken it many times. I thought, I wonder what it will change and what's different and some things have changed and different. But mine came up the gift of prophecy. That means I can tell you what's going to happen in your life this week. (laughs) Not true. Don't believe that junk. What it means is this. It means that I... I'm gifted at speaking and teaching the Word of God to build the church. And that came up with my number one gift. Well, isn't that interesting? I'm doing exactly what is put inside of me as one of my gifts. And so I encourage you, church, I want you to go to mycpoint.com forward slash gifts and do that this week. It's actually on your growth guide. You'll have fun with it. You really will. It's kind of neat to go through it. You go through it with your spouse or go through it with your kids. And you'll be able to sit down and talk about it and start praying, all right, God. And usually what happens is you'll have three or four top gifts. And that's really the areas probably where you should be serving. You start to find ministries with those. And when you do those, you'll love it. You'll love it and you'll serve out of your passion and God's desires he's put inside of you. I want you to look at this one last verse as we wrap up this morning. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. In other words, you're gifted by God for his kingdom and you are needed. Let me just say, you're part of the body of Christ when you give your life to Jesus Christ. When you accept the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's not hard to do that. You repent and you confess. You put your faith in him and you enter the waters of baptism. You've done that. You're in Christ. You're part of his body. Some of you are on that journey. Maybe you're investigating. You're looking. Say, well, I need some help. You can use the connection card. Mark that on there. We'll, we'll get with you and start having some conversations. Or maybe you say, you know, I'm ready. I want to make this public profession of my faith. We love to do that even in this service. So as we continue in worship and communion and offering, at any time you get up and move the back of the room and say, hey, let's talk about this. I'm ready to make a decision. We'd love to help you on that journey. Church, never forget, you are part of the body of Christ. You're part of the body of Christ, and each and every one of you is part of it.